We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Chapter 11. And I thought I would uh, share with you on something I'm not very good at. So, chapter 11, verse 6, very famous verse. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But without what, you can't please God. Faith. So um, keep that in your back of your mind and then go over to chapter 8 of the book of Matthew and verse, um, I think it's 22. And if you can't find Matthew 8, it's on page 1136. By the way, uh, my brother... uh, came to L.A. one time, and he, he works in Fresno, and he says, uh, you know, um, as I've grown in my faith, I feel my obligations to the people who work with me all these years. I need to share my faith. And he says, you know all these guys. You work with them yourself. He says, they're never going to go to church. They're going to die before they ever go to church. So he says, what if we ran a Bible study in the winter when things are quieter, he says, at 5 o'clock in the evening, and you come to Fresno and run it. They'll all come because they know you. And I thought, all right. So I would drive out here to El Monte Airport, you know, right over here, and some little summit plane he'd find somewhere. They'd pick me up, and, and at 5.10, you know, this little puddle jumper airplane, you know, I'd be in Fresno, and my dad would pick me up and take me. And then I remember the first time we met, we decided to do the book of Matthew. So I said, okay, turn to the book of Matthew. And half the guys in the room didn't know what a Matthew was. So it was fun. It was a great Bible study. But uh, every time I pick up the book of Matthew, I think of those guys. Look at verse 23. It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. So that the boat was almost covered with the waves. But he was what? Asleep. And when the disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing, he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. There was a great calm. Now now go a little further. Chapter 14. And again, verse 22. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the what? The boat. And to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. 
So he's got the boys. He puts them in this boat. Um, I've been on the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's a lot like Southern California because you think the fires are bad now. Wait till October. What are we going to have? What kind of winds? The Santa Anas, and then it's going to be drier. So, like, my wife just came home from Fresno, you know, and uh, it took her six hours because the she took the train, and the train was 40 minutes late because of a fire. And then when she got on the bus out of Bakersfield, then there was a fire near, um, you know, up there on the grapevine and on down the line. Um, and so, you know, these winds come off, and that's what causes all this. Um, same thing as Sea of Galilee. The mountains are placed just in a certain way that the heat coming off the Syrian Jordan Desert blows through those canyons and these tremendous winds come up like the winds we have in October. And so these guys got on that boat and the wind was blowing. Remember it was the wind before that almost capsized their boat. So he says, they got into the boat to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the wind was now in the middle of the sea, or the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. So these guys are trying to row into the wind. Um, those boats were not as long as the, the pews you're sitting to. They're about as long as the one you guys are on. And there was 12 guys in there. And they were about about that wide. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a copy of one of these in Israel, if you go. They dug it up. It's a first century fishing boat. So it's pretty scary. So they're rowing, and they're basically going nowhere. The wind's contrary to them. So it says, Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them. He said, Be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. Then Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you... Command me to come to you out on the waves. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And they got into the boat, and what stopped? Why does the wind immediately stop in both stories? Any ideas? Do you think God was in control of the wind? 
Well, go over another chapter to chapter 16, verse 5. And it says, And when the disciples came to the other side, they had forgotten to dig bread. And then he said to them, Take heed and be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, Jesus often spoke in metaphors. You know, he'd say this, and, and the, this, what he was referring to meant something literal, but it also meant something spiritual. And uh, so leaven is to take a lot of leaven that's yeast. You put a lot of yeast in bread. When you make bread, you put like a pound of flour and a pound of yeast. What would happen if you did? You'd blow your kitchen up. It'd be exciting. Kids would think it's really cool. He says, beware of the, the leaven, the yeast. Some teachers put a little addition in there, and it changes things. And, he, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we haven't taken no bread. Which means they were dumber than clocks. He wasn't talking about that. And Jesus said to them, uh, aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little what? Faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you have not brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the five thousand and how many baskets you took up or the seven loaves and the four thousand people and how large baskets you took up? How is it you not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? So how bright are these disciples? You are aware that you would not be here this morning if it wasn't for them. Jesus did not have any videos taken while he was alive. He wrote no books. All he had with these 12 men. Without them, we would not have learned of our salvation. And how bright are they? And how much faith do they have? Well, let's keep going. It gets better. 17, okay? 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, the holy apostles of God. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I put up with you, be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, um, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, 
Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Go to chapter 15. I think the Holy Spirit put the Gospels together in a certain way on purpose. So go to 15, and this time go to verse 21. And um, I think it's really good when a pastor gets a chance to go overseas and, and see what others are doing and see the Lord working. Uh, I know going overseas a couple times myself and to see how the Lord was working. And uh, um, I remember one time being in Africa and I, they had you know, no microphones, no pianos, no nothing. All they had was drums. But when they sang... The glory of God was everywhere. And they had nothing. There wasn't, everybody in the entire audience was skinny because it was in the desert and the places, you know, they only eat once a day. And, and, it, and yet they had joy and they had, it just, it's very refreshing. And, and it was really good, you know, it was great to come home, but it was always, it was good to be there. And I think sometimes we need breaks. And Jesus was aware of this. So in chapter 15, they've been doing ministry with Jesus, and he kind of gives them a change of venue, so to speak. He gives them, a, gives them away for a bit, gives them a different perspective. And so they actually go out of Jewish areas where Jesus had been, um, you know, arguing with people, and he's in a non-Jewish area. So look at what happens in verse 21. And Jesus went out from there and departed to the, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. You say, well, what's in Tyre and Sidon? Non-Jews. Or, if you please, non-church people. You go, what do you mean? Well, when I was a kid, I used to go to the People's Church in Fresno, and the pastor's name was G.L. Johnson. Lovely, wonderful man. Um, it's the largest church in Fresno, and he still has his name in the phone book. You say, he, the public phone book, his home number is in the Fresno phone book. He always thought you shouldn't be in the ministry if you can't be reached. And somehow he's done that. And, and anybody who wanted to talk to him, you could talk to, to GL. And a lot of times, because it was a big church, big churches attract all kinds of interesting people, put it nicely. And people would often say, the Lord's spoken to me and you're doing everything wrong. And then they would make appointments with GL and tell him, you know, he who's running the large church in Fresno and people's lives are being changed. But they always knew more than GL. And they would tell him, you know, how to do things better. And he would patiently listen. <laughs> I don't know if I would have, um, but he would have. But then when he would get a chance to speak and they wanted him to speak all over the world, he would often go where Manny is. He would often go to the east just so he could get in the airplane and get away from all those phone calls. <laughs> so he would go to Tyre and Sidon. And uh, my mom used to laugh and says, I can tell you why GL goes and speaks in China. He just needs to get away from all the criticism. Because everybody always knows how to do it better than you. Um, if you're a teacher or something like that, you know, you always learn that. If you're a supervisor, everybody who works for you may like you, but thinks they could do a better job. Anyway, so he takes them to Tyre and Sidon. In other words, they're in a non-church area, a pagan area. And behold, a woman of Canaan, a non-believer, 
came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now what's interesting is, this have mercy on me is 18 times in the Psalms. This is a Jewish phrase. And son of David, that's a Jewish phrase. This woman's not a Jew. But she knows the reputation of this healer. He's Jewish, and those Jews are so, you know, think they're so much better than everybody. So she's using Jewish language, quoting the Old Testament and using Jesus' terms. So she cries out, trying to use the right lingo, because her daughter is what? How does a child become demon-possessed? If you've ever run across this and dealt with it, often if it's in a child, it's because one of the parents has opened the door. So is this a great woman? Well, she could be. Maybe her husband opened the door. We don't know. But she comes to him. She tries to use all the right language, trying to, you know, as good as she can. And he answered her not a word. How interesting. Then the disciples came up to him and urged him, saying, Hey, send her away. She cries out after us. In other words, you won't talk to her and she's bugging us. Lose the chick. Remember, he was the one that sent the crowds away. There was just an authority in that man that just people listened to. And so they, he said, you have all this authority. Lose the chick. She's driving us nuts. This is supposed to be r Send her away. Which means she hadn't left, right? But he answered and said, or excuse me, um, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, what's that mean? How about this? I'm sorry. Wrong side of the tracks. I don't deal with non-Jews. Too bad. Wrong race. Wrong religion. I don't help you. Does this sound like Jesus? Yeah, we would pray for you, but uh, where do you go to church? Oh, too bad. Not you. This is a great story. Yeah. Then she came, she broke through the disciples, she got to Jesus, and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, you know, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What's he just said to her now? little background here. Um, I have a new dog. It's about a year and a half old. It's called Scout, Scout Finch, you know, from the, the Kill a Mockingbird, you know. And um, it's a skittish little thing. It's a mix that we got from a friend of a friend who, you know, wanted to get rid of a puppy. And um, it's been a pain 
you know. But uh, it's kind of becoming a pretty good dog. You know, I mean, it's it. My wife came home. It was so excited, just ran in circles. You know, and that just well, you know, melted her heart. You know, because it's often done things that has not melted our heart. It's you know, made us think of taking it to the pound. But uh, it's become a pretty good dog. You know, and uh, it's it's like it's like you know part of us. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, when my wife watches TV, it sits right next to her. Do you know what I mean? And it totally relaxes around her, and it's just it's a pet. And that's a lot a lot of times how we are as as Americans. Um, if you go to the Middle East, though, that's not how they see dogs. Seldom do people have pets, especially in the ancient world. And, and in fact, even today, I've had friends who are from Iran, and they go, oh, we don't like dogs. I said, why not? Dogs are cool. Go, no, 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 no. Dogs hang out at the garbage dumps. The only people who keep dogs are rich people, and they keep them as guards so that they bite anybody who comes near their house. And dogs bite everybody in the Middle East. So if you call someone a dog, is that a compliment? Guess what the Jews used to call the non-Jews? Gentile dogs. So it's a racial slur. So Jesus says, it's not appropriate to take the bread that belongs to the children, the elect of God, the church people, and give it to non-Christian dogs. You say, where'd you get this story? It's in your Bible. It's in Matthew. Then she said, for the fourth time now, she's approached Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your... Interesting, huh? Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Okay, question. What has Jesus done in training the twelve? Remember, we would not have the Bible. We would not have our faith if he hadn't trained them well. What's he doing? Because I gave you four examples of them being a day late and a dollar short. Who's the woman of faith or the person of faith in these five episodes? Episodes. The pagan woman. What's Jesus doing? You say, well, is this just Matthew? Let's... Dr. P, next time speak out of Mark, will you? Well, I won't, if you don't like this, I won't speak out of Luke, because in Luke there are seven stories of faith. Okay? Um, one story of people failing in faith, and guess who they, those were? Go well, to chapter 8 again of Luke, and it's the holy apostles of God, because that story is told in Luke, where they panic in the boat. And Jesus turns to him and says, where's your faith? 
And then the other six stories of faith in Luke all are from the most motley crew you can imagine. One of them is a foreigner, a foreign Roman occupying soldier, you know, who everybody would hate. He has more faith than anybody in Israel, according to Jesus. And then one was a prostitute. One was a, a member of the Samaritans. In other words, he was like a Mormon. He had bad theology. He was the only leper that was a Mormon that came back and said, thank you. And Jesus said, it's your faith that's healed you. And then one was a blind man. One was a traitor to his country. And one was a sick old woman. And you say, well, that's not a very prestigious group. But all six of those people were told by Jesus, the Son of God, you have and only one group was told that they're short on faith. And who was that? So what is Jesus doing? What's he doing? You see, Dr. B, you're talking on something you don't feel you're good at. What, what is it that you don't think you're good at? Faith. Well, aren't you embarrassed? Yeah. Why'd they let you speak? They didn't know this. Don't tell many. Well, aren't you, aren't you just crushed? No. But you're short on something. Yeah. I can afford to be because I'm one of his followers. What I can't afford to be is a liar. And the one person I can't lie to is myself. That's the most dangerous of all things. Say, well, you're short on something. Yeah, yeah. But so were the apostles, and they were given the greatest tasks in the world to do. And if you're here today and you're struggling with your faith, okay, just don't hide it. Because then you're in the same place as the great apostles of God. And you will get there. I want more faith. The Lord knows that. We have talks about this. So the one thing I can't afford to do is to lie to myself. I've got to be open and honest. Does that make sense? Okay, now, here's the crucial question. Who is teaching the disciples about faith? Who's their educator? A pagan. So if you're not a Christian here this morning, you need to convert. Because there's a whole bunch of people in this church who need to learn from you. You're pretty necessary. You say, no, 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 if I'm not a Christian, I'm no good. Oh, I don't know. Jesus seems to see things really upside down. You say, who's taught you a lot of your faith? Oh, you'd be so totally surprised. Totally surprised. And, and should I be afraid to tell someone who doesn't even go to church that they have, they're doing the right things? No, no, tell them. Right's right, no matter who's doing it. And, and that's just because we're honest people. Oh, no, they're not Christians. They're not convinced that they did something right. Well, then you're not like Jesus. Then you're not a Christian. Because he's totally willing to praise this woman. So let's go back and see what, you know, this pagan woman with the demon-possessed daughter, 
What does she do that's faith? What does she do? Because see, she is teaching the holy apostles by her actions. And Jesus has a name for it. He's calling it faith. So what did she do? Would you like some help? Okay, let's go to when Jesus is teaching. Okay, so go to chapter 11 of Luke. By the way, the last time I heard a sermon in church on Luke was here. I came to hear many. And I brought some people who uh, I know who do a lot of work in Mexico. And they, when they visit me sometimes, they just say, hey, where are you going to church? You always go to interesting churches. You know, and the last time I went to church with them was in Sacramento. I said, ooh, you're in L.A. Let's go hear Manny. So I brought him here. And then as we're walking out, a friend turned me and says, aren't you a Bible teacher? I said, yeah. He says, then why are you taking notes? I says, because he's really good. So here we go. Chapter 11, um, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend... And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me, and I cannot get arise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask. And it will be given unto you. Why did the woman get her daughter healed? How deep do you think her love was to take one Racial insult after another. One put down after another. Did she quit? Finally, she's just right to her face told her she's the wrong race. And she just takes his little metaphor about the bread and the dogs and turns it right back on Jesus' face and goes, There. Oh yeah, call me a dog. Well, even the puppies get food. And is he, is he upset? No, he's, you could tell. It must, have, it must have been cool to have been there and watch this huge smile break over Jesus' face and then say, you get what you want, sweetheart. Your faith has got it. Another question. Why did Jesus do that? Why was he so mean? Or let me ask it this way. How come he didn't make it easy for the disciples to get across the lake? Who controls the wind? You are aware that the word wind in Hebrew is ruach. Or, you know, what we have in Numa in Greek. And you say, oh, that's real impressive. Well, no, it's really not. It's the only two words I really know. But um, <laughs> you say, well, why do you bring that up? Well, the word for wind is the word we use for spirit. 
And in the Old Testament, over 100 times, you have the word Holy Spirit. And literally in Hebrew, as a Jew, you'd be hearing the holy wind. So God is often called the wind of God. So does he control the wind? So is he educating you and I? And you say, what? If God was really a cool God, everything would go perfectly well. Well, here's a suggestion. (laughs) You're going to get in the boat with Jesus. You should get a life jacket. And since they didn't sell him in those days, you're just taking a big chance to get in the boat with him. You say, thank goodness he's changed. No, the same guy, Hebrews, the guy who wrote the book of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, forever. If you're a Christian, you certainly aren't a pansy. Because once you get in the boat with him, he's going to let it get rocked. But only because he loves us. He's educating them. Are they very good students? Well, um, I have a student this fall who uh, um, is one of those kind of kids that never studied in high school. You know, so he came to college and and uh, he said, you know, sit in the back, you know, you know didn't study for the, the first test, got an A on it. You know, everything comes super, super easy to him. And, then he had to do one of my papers, and I make him do this really, really difficult task that you only really do when you do in grad school. You see, what kind of class is this? Is upper division? He says, no, it's freshman. So, so you're just killing these freshmen. Yeah, and I get paid to do it too. Anyway, it's great. I love teaching. You know. And and this kid just he can't do it. And of course, I have this. You know, I give him all kinds of help, but he won't take the help because he's so smart. So he flunked the paper. And you say, what's going to happen to this guy? Well, he's taken the class over. He's won the both papers, got an F on 40% of the class. But he and I had some talks towards the end of the semester. He got some great help from one of our counselors at APU named Shino. And uh, Shino's a great counselor. He did a wonderful job with this, with this young man. And I said, uh, you know what? Um, take the class again. And uh, why don't you become my TA in about two years? So you're going to make the loser your TA? Oh, why not? He used the holy apostles of God. Did the Pharisees who knew the Bible so well come to God? Why not? One more story and we'll quit. Um, This one's also in Luke. Go to Luke chapter 18. And um, verse 15. Or that's page 1,250. You know, I sometimes uh, go to the Salvation Army and they have few Bibles. And so we all have the same page number. They actually do use the page numbers. I love it there, you know. But uh, anyway... Chapter 18, verse 15, it says, And they brought infants to him, that he might touch them. 
And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Um, this is a big thing in the Middle East. Um, I remember my father um, uh, got violently ill and almost died because she, my grandmother, sent my my um, my uncle to the the store to you know the little store around the street around the corner to get milk, and he didn't check the date. In those days, they didn't you know have all that stuff. And he didn't, and he got old milk that had started to rot, and. She gave the, my my dad the milk, and he got violently ill. And the doctor, in those days, doctors made house visits. The doctor came and said, uh, "Mrs. Beloyan, um, your son has been horribly poisoned. Um, he's gonna die because one more shot of any milk product, and it'll kill him. And you're a normal woman. You will never ever remember every time. And so you just need to accept you're gonna lose this one." Because if you ever give him milk again, it'll kill him. Um, I saw my dad at Father's Day, or right after Father's Day. He's 91. She never forgot. She didn't have any money, but she never forgot. So one day she took my dad, and she was raised um, Catholic, but was also Orthodox, and her husband was a Protestant. So she didn't understand the differences between theology. She just decided God's house is God's house. And wherever she went, she worshipped Jesus, you know, and she loved Jesus. So um, the archbishop of the Armenian Apostolic Church was in Fresno. And so she, you know, you don't say no to a determined mother. And she went right up that bishop and she says, bless him. And he did. And he put his robe over the child and he prayed over her. And my dad, of course, you know, went on to him. A very healthy life. You want a holy man to bless your children. That's just, that's kind of a Middle Eastern thing. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And we kind of do that when we dedicate our children, don't we? We want the elders in the church and the pastor to pray over them and bless them. So that what these women are doing, well, I understand. Do you know, they love their children. You love your children. They want them blessed. So they're bringing them to, and the disciples rebuke them because little children can't tithe. They're rugrats. They're worthless. You're not going to advance the ministry, spending lots of time with children. And so they rebuke them. And Jesus called them to him, the disciples, and he says, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So what does that have to do with faith? See, being as a child, why did the Pharisees not see him? Why did the apostles turn out to be the courageous men they were? You know, all of them will die for him except John. They boiled him in oil, but they they killed all the others. They they learned. They spread the gospel. They pulled it off. But maybe what Jesus was saying to them about children is the key to getting faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your patience of us, whom you've called 
to yourself and to be your servants, Lord. And, and there's so many in this room that do so much for so many people, Lord. They serve you and they have been called by you and they know they've been called. And Father, we ask that you be patient with us because even though we've been called, we often don't feel like we've got it all together. Father, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your patience with the holy apostles, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the courage of the apostles to, on their own, record the stories of their own inadequacies. May we be as courageous as them. And may we take hope that they did really well at the end. Father, help us grow. And Father, we know if we ask, we shall receive. Amen.